This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal here on the podcast to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. You're joining us for a special episode as part of our 2023 ACCE Chamber of the Year finalist series. Our title sponsor is Community Matters, Inc. With nearly 20 years in the chamber industry and over 100 media awards presented to their chamber partners, Community Matters provides the R&R that every chamber needs, revenue and recognition. When it comes to publishing a chamber map, directory, or community guide, Community Matters has the trusted experience to help your chamber accomplish your goals. With different advertising sales models and publication styles, Community Matters will help you create a non-dues revenue machine. Let's hear from Becky Womble, President and CEO of the Bastrop Chamber, to hear about her experience using Community Matters. I've been using Community Matters for probably six or seven years now. And um, in a previous life, I sold commercial printing, so I can highly recommend Community Matters because it's a complete turnkey job for any busy chamber exec. Um, Basically, you give them a membership list, and from there, they contact your members, and it's no high-pressure sales or anything, and it really is a complete turnkey job from start to finish. And it's a wonderful, beautiful printed product whenever you're finished. And I just, I'm very sold on Community Matters. And with a printing background, I just, big endorsement for me. To learn how Community Matters can support your chamber with your next publication, please visit communitymattersinc.com slash podcast to request your free media kit and request a proposal to find out what kind of non-dues revenue you can generate. Our guest for this episode is Roy Nascimento. Roy has been president and CEO of the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce since January 2015. Under his leadership, the North Central Massachusetts Chamber has been recognized among the top chambers of commerce in the country for its impact and operations. Among many of its honors, the chamber was a 2017 and 2021 runner-up for the prestigious National Chamber of the Year Award, the first chamber in Massachusetts and New England to have ever been recognized as a finalist. The chamber also achieved four-star accreditation in 2018. As a 20-plus year veteran of the chamber profession, Roy previously served as president and CEO of the New Bedford Area Chamber of Commerce from 2006 until December 2014. Roy also previously led the Attleboro Area Chamber of Commerce and served as vice president at the Metro South Chamber of Commerce in Brockton. Roy is a leader within the Chamber of Commerce industry. He's the past president of the board of the Massachusetts Association of Chamber of Commerce Executives and is past chair of the New England Association of Chamber of Commerce Executives and the MACCE Council of Chambers. In recognition of his leadership and record of accomplishments, Roy was named New England Chamber Executive of the Year in 2011. He's an IOM graduate from Villanova and the Economic Development Institute at the University of Oklahoma and has been designated as a CCE by ACCE. 
Some of you may remember Roy from a previous episode, uh, 99 episodes ago on episode 134. But Roy, I'm excited to have you back on Chamber Chat Podcast again as a uh, Chamber of the Year finalist. I'd love to give you an opportunity to say hello to all the Chamber champions that are out there listening and go ahead and share something interesting about yourself so you can all get to know you even better. So uh, thank you, uh, Brandon. It's it's really an honor to be uh, to be back, and, and especially under these circumstances, being a finalist again for for this uh, very prestigious honor. So we're hoping this is our third uh, time being a finalist. We're hoping uh, third time is a charm, and that we get it this year. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm um, I, I'm not uh, that interesting. I'm, I lead a lead a pretty boring life, so there's not much. Uh, I guess uh, I'm going to lean back on what I mentioned the last time you interviewed me. That that's kind of unique about me is that that I'm um, most of your listeners probably wouldn't be aware of this, but I'm actually a child of immigrants. My parents were were um, were from Europe, they were from Portugal, and they immigrated here uh, for a better life. And and uh, I was born here, so I'm a U.S. citizen. Uh, but actually, a few years back, I, I ended up uh, applying to to get my um, Portuguese citizenship. I had a friend who uh, had um, was of Irish uh, descent, and and he applied. Uh, his grandmother was from from Ireland, and he applied and was successful in getting dual citizenship. Uh, and I thought that was pretty cool, so I said, "Let me let me try that." And so I applied and was able to get uh, dual citizenship. Um, so I'm a U.S. citizen. But I'm also a Portuguese citizen, and that's something neat that I can, uh, in turn, uh, pass down to my kids because they can apply for Portuguese citizenship uh, if they choose down the road. So, and it's just a nice way to kind of connect back with my heritage, and um, and uh, so that's kind of unique and different. So, something your your listeners probably aren't aware of. Yeah, no, I think that is fascinating. And when you shared that last time, I thought that was really interesting and, and fascinating, and. I know a lot of people have dual citizenships, but usually with the U.S. and Canada, you know, so <laughs> to be able to have U.S. and, and Portugal, that, that's that's pretty neat. Um, well, tell us a little bit more about the North Central Massachusetts Chamber, just to kind of set the stage for our discussion, help us understand the type of chamber you are, size, staff, budget, that sort of thing, just to kind of know where you're coming from before we get into our conversation. Sure. So our, our chamber uh, is uh, based in the city of Fitchburg, Massachusetts. It's a city of about 42,000 people. And uh, we are a regional chamber. So we cover um, city of Fitchburg, uh, two other cities that are in north central Massachusetts of similar size. And uh, altogether, we cover about 27 communities. Uh, and we're basically, you know, as the name suggests, we're, we're in north central Massachusetts. So we're, we're about an hour west of uh, Boston. And our region is, it's, it's a, it, uh, obviously I'm a little biased, but it's a, it's a beautiful and really wonderful dynamic region uh, here in New England. Uh, we are, we offer so much. We have a very diverse economy, uh, very, very focused on manufacturing. We have the largest concentration of manufacturing in the state. Uh, but we're also, we also have a good mix of, um, of rural communities. Uh, so we have a lot of farms and agricultural businesses. We have um, about 800 uh, farms, um, orchards, and other agricultural businesses uh, here in North Central Massachusetts, and um, and you know we're, we're our claim to fame. One of our claims uh, to fame is that we're the home of and the birthplace of Johnny Appleseed um, from uh, American folklore. He was actually born here in 
Lemonster, Massachusetts, which is uh, our largest city in North Central Massachusetts. And so, and we still have a lot of or- orchards, apple orchards here and, and in the region. And, um, and we really market the heck out of that as part of our tourism marketing efforts, uh, kind of our agricultural history and, and our connection to uh, Johnny Appleseed in, in American history. Uh, in terms of the chamber size, where our budget is about uh, about a million and a half now, and we have about um, about 16, 17 staff um, that uh, on the professional staff, um, and uh, we've grown over the last few years, uh, particularly around our work around economic development. Good deal. Yeah, the uh, the whole Johnny Appleseed aspect is uh, that's interesting. You definitely have something to kind of plant a flag in, and everybody in the country is familiar with Johnny Appleseed and can really capitalize on that. So I think every community has their thing, right? Your thing just happens to be one that more more people can resonate with. Absolutely, and I know we're not the only state that has ownership of Johnny Appleseed. You know, uh, he certainly helped uh, pioneer uh, many parts of our, our country and. Uh, but uh, it all started here. He was born here and we, we um, really tried to capitalize on that. And, and we use as part of our marketing that we're Johnny Appleseed country. Uh, so it's a great place to, for people coming from the city and from other parts of, of New England to come out and connect with their agricultural roots and come out here to some of our orchards that have reinvented themselves, you know, uh, and, and become destinations really catering to, to visitors and tourists. Yeah. That's great. It's got me wondering what his real last name is. So I'm going to have to do some research. <laughs> Chapman. John Chapman. Chapman. John Chapman. All right. Save me some some study time. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'd like to just have you maybe hit the, the two programs that you guys submitted on your Chamber of the Year application at a high level, just to kind of give us an idea of what those two programs are about. And then we can circle back and dive in a little deeper on both of them. Sure. So, so the first initiative um, that we uh, had submitted as part of our application, as part of our synopsis, was around an initiative um, to engage with uh, the Latinx population here in North Central Massachusetts. And this really was an outgrowth of the pandemic. Um, we um, we operate underneath the umbrella of the chamber a um, a uh, uh, our economic development arm, it's called the North Central Massachusetts Development Corporation. And it's a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Uh, and it is, um, it's our economic, it was formed by the chamber and it's our economic development arm. And this, um, under this entity, we, we are considered, we have, we're certified by the U.S. Treasury as a community development financial institution. We're also an SBA lender and we're um, a community advantage lender under the SBA and EDA lender. So, all that means that that we are able um, to uh, provide uh, micro loans uh, to businesses uh, in the region uh, to support economic development. And with that, we've also uh, grown our technical assistance. We do a lot of handholding, providing a lot of counseling and technical assistance. And in recent years, we've started providing grants as well to support uh, startup businesses and existing small businesses that for a variety of reasons can't get through uh, traditional financing. Uh, so we will be able to provide them some, some capital to help them get that business going with, uh, with the caveat that it creates some jobs and investment in our communities. And we've been doing this since the 1990s, um, and uh, we've been growing in recent years. Um, and we found during the pandemic that, um, that uh, Latino businesses 
Uh, and again, Latinos are the largest minority population in the region and, and are one of our largest communities. It represents about 30% of the population. And if you look at the data, um, Latinos are starting businesses at three times the rate of the general population. So this was obviously you know, a, a population that we wanted to engage and support. And during the pandemic, when we were doing so much to support businesses and help help them get through the pandemic, we saw that a lot of uh, a lot of Latino businesses were not taking advantage of some of the resources uh, that were out there to support um, businesses. Uh, they weren't taking advantage of the PPP loans. They weren't taking advantage of of different grants that were offered by the state and by our local communities. And so uh, we, we really. Um, this was really an outgrowth of that. So we, um, we um, really um, decided to focus on um, the Latinx population, engaging them. We really needed to engage them more. Uh, we decided to hire a, uh, a full-time um, individual on our team that was multilingual, uh, Maribel Cruz, and she's, she's a great addition. Uh, she speaks um, Spanish, uh, Portuguese, and English fluently. And we also developed some strong partnerships with other groups within the community that focused on the Latino population. So as a result, we were able to connect uh, Latino business owners to this, to our network of businesses, to the chamber, uh, but also to these different resources, including resources that we have underneath the umbrella of the development corporation. And we, um, we, we saw a really strong impact uh, over the last two years We've, um, we did about a million dollars uh, of micro loans to Latino businesses. That represents now a third of our loans uh, that we made uh, over the, that um, uh, two-year period. We also provided uh, thousands of hours of technical assistance uh, to, uh, to businesses, and we helped connect them to other resources as well. And as a result, um, these Latino businesses were able to secure loans through other other um banks and credit unions and, and get grants from uh, from uh, from the state as well. So we were able to connect them with that. And, and I should also mention, we also evolved. Uh, we've been evolving over the years. So we've started providing grants uh, as well. So we were able to provide some grants as well to Latino businesses to help them get started or to overcome some, some challenges as they were starting. So, uh, and all of that helped create jobs and helped create investment within our community. So we're really we were really pleased with the outcome and the impacts from this. Um, you know, these, these are small loans, they're micro loans, but they can have a tremendous impact in our communities, um, helping to start local restaurants and coffee shops and hair salons. Uh, and they're, we track the jobs and they create jobs in our community and creates investment in our communities. Yeah. So as you are reaching out to these, these Latin owned businesses, um, are these strictly chamber members you're reaching out to? Is it Latin businesses in general throughout the community or so, how are you making that approach? So we are engaging Latino businesses. They do not have to be a member of the chamber to get a loan uh, from our economic development arm. And so, um, so yeah, we were engaging uh, Latinos broadly within North central Massachusetts. And obviously we'd love to get them more engaged in the chamber. And so that was also something that we, we wanted to um, let them know that there's this network of businesses uh, and we want them involved because we think that's an important part of being successful is uh, networking and being involved in the local community and, and we want them to feel comfortable. So that was an important part of the project, really engaging them, engaging them in the community through some of the partners um, uh, in the community that they're already working with 
as well as bringing on that staff capacity, bringing someone on that could um, could reach out to them in their own language and could provide uh, culturally competent um, technical assistance and advice uh, to them and engage them. Um, so that was an important objective as part of this project. Yeah. So with this program, uh, a lot of this is providing microloans and grants, like you had mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I know typically loans and grants come with some sort of stipulations, um, you know, an application process and things like that. But being that, you know, being a, a chamber of the year finalist is all about the impact in your community because you have these, you know, stipulations around loans and grants. What sort of impact are you seeing on the follow-up, you know, over time as these new businesses or, uh, you know, especially these Latin businesses are taking advantage of, of these resources that you're helping give access to? Yeah, so we, we track the, the loans and, and, and you're absolutely right, right. These are loans, so they have to be repaid, uh, but they're um, pretty competitive rates. These are not uh, rates that we're not, you know, we're not a predatory lender. We're, we're not charging enormous rates. These are same rates you get through a bank. Um, and we do have an underwriting process, so we, we do have to evaluate each loan. Uh, and so a lot of time is often spent with the clients helping them get ready just to to, to secure the loan because um, they're not always uh, prepared. They may not have a business plan. So there's a lot of pre and post loan counseling, getting them prepared um, to, to submit their application, collecting all those documents, and we still do the underwriting. So not everyone um, gets approved, applies to us. So this isn't free money. You know, they still have to apply and show that they have a plan in place and that they have, um, you know, um, they have a, a fundamental understanding of their business and, and what they plan on doing and, and have the ability to repay and be successful long-term. And then once they get the loan, we're still following up with them. So we follow up on a regular basis. Our team is, is meeting with our clients, finding out what are the pain points, where, where are they struggling? Typically, we see that they're struggling on things like accounting systems or marketing. Uh, and that, that's across the board. That's not just uh, Latino businesses. And then, uh, and then we track the impact. You know, we, we keep an eye on the loans. We, we want to make sure that they get repaid. Because if they get repaid, then we can lend that money out again. So, and that's one of the things I love is we can continue to have this, this impact. Uh, but we fundamentally track uh, jobs. And um, through over the last two years, just, just the loans to our, our, our Latinx population that, that were made, uh, there were about 57 new jobs that were created uh, from that um from those loans that we made. And the average size loan was just like 25,000. So these are, are typically very small loans, typically working capital or to buy some equipment. Um, we, we go as high as 250,000, but again, the average loan is, is typically about 25,000. Yeah, that is huge. So I can, I can see the impact that makes individually on each of those businesses that is a, a benefactor of those microloans and, uh, but also the community in general to be able to have those jobs and the families that are being affected and community. And it just, it bleeds out throughout the community. Absolutely. And, and uh, anecdotally, um, you know, a lot of these loans, um, you know, really have an impact in the, in the community. We're seeing loans that a lot of, a lot of them tend to be riskier businesses that, that, um, that can't find traditional financing because the industry tends to be very risky. So a lot of food related businesses, 
coffee shops, restaurants, that if you look at the statistics, have a high failure rate. So, and, and typically we don't compete with our banks and credit unions. They're a number one referral source and we partner quite a, quite a bit with them. So typically um, they're a big referral source for, for us. So a bank will, community bank will, will not be able to make a loan um, to a, a startup business because it's too risky because they are a startup business and because they're looking to open up a restaurant and they have higher failure rates. And, and so the, the, the bank may not want to take that risk. So they'll pass them along to us and we'll take a different, we'll take another look at it. We tend to be a little bit more flexible in our lending approach. Uh, again, we still do underwriting, uh, but, uh, but we try to be a little bit more flexible because we have this, we're looking at it through this economic development lens. And as I, I mentioned anecdotally, you know, it's great to see these loans, you know, see these, these restaurants start up, these coffee shops start up, hair salons in some of our communities and uh, in some of our downtowns, like we have one community where, you know, we, we, um, we, had, we had one um, Latino business owner who's a restaurateur who uh, has taken the risk of opening up a restaurant in one of our downtowns and, and one of our, our cities. Uh, and the downtown is, is, uh, is a priority for the, for the municipality. They're trying to revitalize their downtown um, and a lot of empty storefronts there. And so uh, they prioritize bringing in more kind of destination businesses and they want to see more restaurants in the downtown. So we were able to help them with uh, help this entrepreneur open up this uh, this um, Latin restaurant, and that's uh, that's becoming a destination. It's bringing more people into the downtown, and that's encouraging more uh, revitalization of the downtown and more businesses um, opening up in the downtown. So it has that kind of ripple effect um, beyond just the jobs that we track and the lending dollars that we track um, and the jobs saved, but it's also that kind of helping to revitalize. Uh, parts of the community. Yeah. So the question that comes to my mind is where the initial funding came from. I know you guys have been doing this sort of program for a while, but with the focus on the, the Latin population right now. So did that initial funding come through a foundation or, I mean, it's great as the loans get repaid and you get some interest collected to be able to get it back out in the community. But for a chamber listening, where where would one get started doing a program like this? So that's a great question. So this goes back, our original lending started back in the, in the late 1990s. So we had a, uh, a military base here called Fort Devens that was was closing. And so the, um, the, the chamber was able to secure um, a grant from the Economic Development Administration uh, and utilize that to capitalize our first loan fund. Uh, so that's where, where it all started. We got this grant, uh, we had to match it. So we had to match it. Um, I think about uh, 25% of the grant, we had to match it with private sector dollars, which we did at the time. And that capitalized our first revolving fund, which is still providing loans to this day. And so, and since then we've expanded, we now have, um, I think six loan funds. Um, and one of the loan funds is an SBA loan fund, uh, which we use SBA money. We get a loan from the SBA and at a very favorable rate. And then we lend that, those dollars in the form of micro loans. Um, and um, we have to have you know, certain requirements. We have to have a loan loss reserve account set up, and it, it is a loan, so we have to repay the SBA back. So we're on the hook for that. Uh, but uh, that was uh, that was very useful a few years back when we needed we were running out of capital and needed more capital. And since then, you know, we've gone out and we've been successful in, in raising other funds. We've been able to secure other grants, federal grants, state grants. 
We've also secured private dollars. So we've been lucky enough um, that we've been, been successful and that um, our local stakeholders and our members have been supportive of the work that we've been doing. So we've been able to secure uh, contributions from some, some companies and local, local members uh, that have, have enabled us to capitalize and continue to provide loans. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we've been successful, especially over the last few years um, with um, the work that we've been doing around lending and being able to grow our impact from providing these micro loans. It's a really nice tool in our, in our toolbox um, to help support community development and economic development here in West Central Massachusetts. And I think it's something that makes us a little unique. So I know some chambers do it, but not a lot. And um, so uh, most chambers are not in the, in the lending space. So, and I'm always happy to talk to any listeners that might be interested in, in getting involved and in, in, um, in providing loans and, and um, supporting um, the entrepreneurial ecosystem in their communities. Yeah. And, and there, there could be a whole nother deep dive on how to structure that and get set up. So any listeners, I would take Roy up on that offer to, to reach out and connect with them to, to learn more if, if that's of interest in, you know, providing that resource at your chamber. But um, Roy, let's, uh, let's shift gears. We'll, we'll change some focus onto the, the other program that was submitted on your chamber of the year application um, as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round, affordable, and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar, Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Exciting news. Introducing Pippily by Chamber Nation, the innovative solution to manage and promote your community for unstoppable growth. Joining the Chamber of Commerce means one thing, commerce. Businesses want to thrive and Pippoli is here to make that happen. With Pippoli, your members can experience remarkable benefits even if they can't attend events. It's a game changer for retention. Say goodbye to ordinary directories and embrace a transformative commerce management system. Unlock the true power of commerce management. Picture a centralized Pippoli dashboard combining top mobile technologies for subscriptions, event registration, community communications, and more. It's incredible. Don't miss out. Visit pippily.com to learn more. That's P-I-P-P-I-L-Y.com. Schedule your demo at richardscalendar.com. It's affordable and delivers more. Pippily by Chamber Nation. Your community's future starts now. Hi, I'm Raquel. 
I work with Yifty to help over 500 chambers, cities, and downtowns across the U.S. keep local dollars local and support their small businesses. Our CEO, Donna Nowitzki, and I will be at the ACCE conference in Salt Lake City from July 31st to August 3rd, and we would love to meet you. Swing by our booth to say hi and learn about our community gift card program. Community cards are custom branded for your community and can only be used at your chamber members' businesses. Plus, the program is free. You can learn more by visiting yifty.com, that's Y-I-F-T-E-E.com, or emailing us at sales at yifty.com. See you at the ACCE conference. All right, Roy, we're back. So tell us what was the second program that you guys submitted in your synopsis on your, your chamber of the year application? Yeah, so the sec- second project that we submitted was uh, a project that we undertook uh, last year to uh, modernize and improve uh, our visitor center. So we operate uh, a visitor center. It's called the Johnny Appleseed Visitor Center, um, named Go after you know, Johnny yeah. Appleseed. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we've we've operated the visitor center. The, the visitor center was a byproduct of our of our um, our regional economic development plan, our original regional economic development plan back in the '90s. Uh, I mentioned the lending that we do. You know, that was also a product of that. So we we underwent this kind of big regional economic development planning process when Fort Devens was closing. We had some major employers that were closing. So we kind of led this effort. It was before my time. But out of that came this whole kind of blueprint um, to really advance our economy here in the region. Um, and and that included, you know, supporting uh, startup businesses through microloans and technical assistance, growing our tourism economy because we, uh, we really didn't have much of a tourism economy at the time. And uh, but we're a beautiful area that has a lot to offer uh, visitors and groups. Uh, so uh, out of that came our visitor center. That was one of the recommendations. So the chamber led this effort to, to get this visitor center opened and we operate the visitor center. We've been operating it successfully since the 1990s. Um, this project really was to, to modernize and update it. So we, we operate the visitor center. It's on um, it's on our, our route two, which is a state highway. Uh, it's actually owned by the state. Um, but we operate it uh, as a partnership with the state. And so we pay for all of the expenses. We staff it. We cover all the expenses. I think they, um, they cover the electricity on the, on the lights out in the parking lot and they plow. Uh, but other than that, we cover most of the expenses. And so we really wanted to, uh, as part of our new economic development plan that we launched in 2021, uh, we wanted to grow our tourism economy. And, and uh, one of the recommendations was as a, as a real um, action, actionable step that we could take was um, uh, modernizing the visitor center and really trying to make it, really trying to reimagine it and transform it uh, from, from a, a typical kind of visitor center and, and rest stop uh, to more of a, a unique and, and inclusive kind of anchor destination uh, that really showcases North Central Massachusetts and really helps to advance our economy. So. So we took on this project. Uh, we were lucky enough to secure um, a small grant from the state of, of uh, about seventy-five thousand from our office of tourism, which we matched. Um, and the, the total project was, um, I think, at the time, about uh, about one hundred seventy thousand altogether. Uh, and since then, we've, we've made some additional improvements, so it's probably over two hundred thousand. Uh, but we were really looking at 
um, at, at improving the visitor center, modernizing it, adding some amenities that we knew visitors were looking for. Uh, we wanted to really tell the story of North Central Massachusetts there. So we wanted to include uh, adding some new interpretive displays, you know, adding uh, new signage for the collection of, of, um, of historical items that we have there. We have this really, over the years, we've built up this enormous collection of, of historical items uh, that help tell the story of North Central Massachusetts, including a lot of Johnny Appleseed memorabilia. And uh, so we wanted some, some better signage uh, within the visitor center, showcasing that collection to visitors. Uh, and then we had some, we had added over the years, some, some interesting artwork. We have this, this, um, what we call the big apple of New England, which is this big foot, 10 foot, uh, apple sculpture. Uh, that's a nice, um, nice, um, attraction there that people like take photos in front of. And we have this beautiful, um, sculpture of young Johnny Appleseed there. That's also very popular. So we added some signage to those. Um, and, uh, we included a lot, a lot of local artwork. Uh, we also wanted to make the center safer, so we added more, more um, video cameras on the grounds. Uh, we added, um, wanted to make it more inclusive, so we added more. Um, uh, we added uh, ADA compliant handicap doors, which we didn't have there. We added uh, shading over the over the picnic tables. We added, um, uh, we added a, a dog walking station there, which was something that visitors had requested. We added um, a water bottle, bottle refilling station, new digital screens, uh, and then we really improved the appearance there as well. So we added a new, a new sign, and inside we did a lot of cosmetic renovations uh, to the visitor center, adding a lot of wood paneling to give it kind of that rustic look, uh, and new floors, and, um, and we invested quite a bit in landscaping as well. Uh, the visitor center also has a lot of uh, apple trees, uh, including two apple trees uh, that uh, were from saplings that we received as a gift from Ohio uh, years back um, from the original, uh, from an original last remaining Johnny Appleseed tree um, that he planted. It's called a Rambo tree. That's the variety of apples. And um, so we, we made some improvements to the apple trees and the landscaping and uh, throughout the visitor center. Again, all of it with a goal of trying to improve the visitor experience and also to make it more inclusive and to better tell the story of North Central Massachusetts. And again, this was it's all aligned with our regional economic development plan uh, that identified tourism as a priority sector as a way we can grow that. And as the as the and the visitor center as like a really key piece of that infrastructure in uh, the supporting the tourism in, uh, economy here in North Central Massachusetts that we could improve to help uh, build up our economy here uh, around tourism in, in the region. Yeah, I like that you said the the giant apple, the, the photo op for tourism to, to come through there and take pictures. And I think it's a great idea to, to be able to provide something like that as a, a tourist attraction because it ends up getting shared out on social media. It gets amplified. You know, oftentimes they'll tag where they are, you know, the location they were at when they took the picture. Yeah, it, it's great. Those types of um, those types of photo ops are really popular. And, and we take really great pride in, in the Johnny Appleseed Visitor Center. It's really a very unique. Um, we like to say it's not your typical highway rest stop. You know, they're, they're, uh, this started again back in the 90s. And uh, there were, I think, 15 or 16 uh, state highway visitor centers that were operated on a similar model. There were partnerships. 
with local uh, chambers or local tourism groups, convention visit bureaus that would operate the visitor centers in partnership with the state. And unfortunately, a lot of them have have um, have gone out of business. They've closed, uh, and uh, there's really no state funding for visitor centers. So, so uh, the you know, our organization really has to operate and fund it. Again, provide all the staffing, and, and most of the costs, most of the expenses are covered by our organization. Uh, and we've been able to, it's, we're successful in just being able to keep doors open and, and run this visitor, very successful visitor center. But we've also, again, been able to make it into a very unique destination. We want to continue. Our vision is to be the best visitor center in Massachusetts and really tell that story. And, and it's great that we've, we've gotten some national attention. We, we were, um, we were, um, it was a story in the, by, by the BBC about our visitor center. There was a story uh, on our local television. There's a, a Boston, um, Boston um, television station called um, WCVB Channel 5. And they have this, this very popular uh, program called Chronicle, which is kind of a lifestyle and tourism um, program. Uh, they came out and, and did a story on the visitor center as a, a very unique destination. So, uh, so we're not your typical rest stop. We're not your typical visitor center. We're really trying to make it more of a destination. And by virtue of making a destination, we're helping to showcase the region. Yeah, uh, I think you guys are on the right track with it for sure. Um, I was curious as far as the vision for the revitalization and like the actual aesthetics in there and the displays and the wood paneling, those sort of things that you described. Did you have some consultant that offered suggestions on those those improvements or was it a, a committee within the chamber or how did that unfold yeah a lot of it was uh was it was a combination so a lot of it was staff driven so we do have a full-time visitor center manager so uh she she knew what you know visitors were requesting you know yeah. kind of the amenities they were looking for and she had a kind of a wish list of what she'd like to add there uh to help support um you know give give these visitors a great positive experience when they were coming to the visitor center so, but we also did check in with with members over the years. We we um, we brought in some members of our board that specialize in retail, and we have a small gift shop there as well that sells local items. Um, and so we brought them in and had had some retail experts come in. And you know, how do we how do we prove this experience for for visitors? And how do we how do we get them to to purchase more local products there? Because that's helping to tell the story of the, of the region, and also again generate some income. To help us support uh, the visitor center, so uh, a variety of, of different input from different stakeholders. We also had a um, a member who uh, is in 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 the um, construction and development okay. area, and so uh, he volunteered his time and gave us um, did a lot of the pre pre work and kind of helping us figure it out uh, and some initial costs and things of that nature. And then we do operate this again. We operate the visitor center. Uh, but it is on state property and we have to get approval from our, our state highway department. And, um, and our initial plans, um, you know, we had to scale down because there were some things that they just weren't comfortable with and uh, they didn't want us, we wanted to expand, expand the uh, visitor center uh, itself and knock down a wall, give us more space so we could have more displays, historical displays. And they were very uncomfortable with any kind of construction. They were like, if you start knocking down walls and we have this whole, process you have to go through and and uh, we actually also wanted to add a small um, playground on the grounds and they were concerned about liability you know, kids using the playgrounds so we had a 
we had to kind of nix that, um, adding a playground to, to the grounds of the visitor center. But, you know, but they were still great partners. They were really, they believed in our vision and were very supportive of, um, of the project and, and we were able to get it done. And, and I'm really proud of the visitor center and, um, and the impact it's having here in the region. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, well, Roy, as we start to wrap things up here, I wanted to ask you if, um, for listeners, if there was any tip or action item that you might suggest for listeners who are interested in taking their chamber up to the next level. So I, I think, um, I think I'm going to give the same advice I gave the last time two years ago, and that's to, to be entrepreneurial and really is, it was the advice I was given by my predecessor. And it's, it's really looking at your, your community, your region, what are the needs there? What are the challenges? You know, how can, the chamber, you know, help with those challenges. For us here, you know, I talked about lending. You know, that was you know, that was something that was missing here. You know, and and the chamber was really able to fill that void and become kind of that alternative lender, uh, helping to provide startup businesses with that capital and that technical assistance they needed. And that has evolved over the years, and but it's been able to to help us provide have an impact here in the region and. And um, the tourism stuff, you know, we that was was a gap, you know, that was an opportunity. We saw that that's a way we could diversify our economy. And so we stepped in and have been able to provide great leadership there and helping to drive our economy and transform our economy here in, in North Central Massachusetts. So, you know, be entrepreneurial, find out, you know, how you could best help your members. Uh, I'm always amazed when I listen to your podcast and hear about chambers doing all kinds of impactful things and what might work in one community might not work uh, in my community, but I'm always able to learn about it. And I'm always amazed at the ability of these chambers to be able to adapt, be flexible and be nimble and be entrepreneurial to serve their members and to have an impact in their communities. And so I think that's important. Very good. So I like asking everyone as I have them on the show about the future of chambers. So I know I asked you a couple of years ago, but how do you see the future of chambers and their purpose going forward? So I think it goes back to our roots. You know, I, I think we're, we, if you look back at chambers, you know, chambers were always those, those, you know, we are by our very nature, we're, we're a big network of businesses in the community that come together to have an impact in the community, to advance the community. That's our mission statement is to advance North Central Massachusetts. And and so I think it's going back to your roots, just looking at, I think a lot of chambers have become transactional. Uh, they focus on the networking and networking is important. We do a lot of networking, but don't lose sight of your mission. And that's really to, to promote the community and that whether it be through advocacy, through economic development, uh, through, through events, you know, whatever it is, it's... Don't lose sight of that mission. And I think it's getting, it, it's providing that, that leadership in the community. Uh, and uh, that's, that's the future. We're seeing chambers uh, continue to evolve and it's kind of going back to, to our roots, being those organizations that provide leadership in the community and that really help to drive the economy and, and, and helping their communities think about, about uh, change and leadership and, and the future. That's awesome. Yeah. The, the mission's important and, and, keeping, you know, those roots close by. So you remember why you're there and, and let that chart your course. 
Um, well, Roy, I wanted to give you an opportunity to share any contact information for listeners who want to reach out and connect with you, maybe take up your offer on learning how to, to provide loans and, and access to grants like you guys are doing. What would be the best way for, for someone to reach out and connect? Sure. So um, first off, our website is, is northcentralmass.com. Uh, so all my contact information is on the website. Again, that's northcentralmass.com. And I can also be reached um, via email at uh, rnascimento, N-A-S-C-I-M-E-N-T-O, at northcentralmass.com, or by, by phone, call me anytime, 978-353-7600, extension 225. That's 978-353-7600, extension 225. And I'm, um, what I love about our industry is that we're always willing to help each other. And I've had a lot of chamber execs um, that have become friends and mentors that have, have always been able to have always been willing to take my phone call and um, and provide advice and, uh, and support. So uh, feel free to reach out to me anytime. Awesome. So I will get your contact information in our show notes for this episode as well. So listeners can look it up there and, and connect with you. But Roy, I've enjoyed having you back on Chamber Chat Podcast and, and catching up with you and hearing more of the, the great things you guys are doing there in North Central Massachusetts. So thank you for, for joining us and congratulations, congratulations to you and your team again, being selected as Chamber of the Year finalists. And I wish you guys the best of luck. Thank you, Brandon. It's been, it's been great. And hopefully this was helpful. And um, it's really an honor. Thank you for the, the opportunity to interview. If you are a Chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Have you ever thought about creating a podcast for your chamber? We always hear about how chambers need to be storytellers. What better way is there to tell the stories of your members and the work of your chamber than through a podcast? Your audience is waiting to hear from you as a convener of leaders and influencers, champion for business, and catalyst for change within your community. I just launched a chamber podcast course with the goal to get your very own podcast started within 30 days. Visit chamberchatpodcast.com slash pivot to learn more and to enroll in the Chamber Podcast course today.